I'm John Caldera, president of the Independence Institute. I recently sat down with former Denver Police Chief Paul Pazin to talk about what's really behind the skyrocketing crime in Denver and around the whole state. This is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. I hope you enjoy this discussion. I've been waiting for this one for a long time. Former police chief of Denver, Paul Pazin. Now, I didn't know that you were actually born in Denver and you did all your time as a cop in Denver. Correct. You don't get out much. Because <laughs> usually cops do service, uh, you know, I've been here for a while and then I went to this city for a while and I went over here for a while. And, but you did your entire career in Denver. You're right. I'm uh, born and raised in this city. I've uh, been very fortunate. I felt that this city has given me a lot and I wanted to, to give back. So when I uh, returned from the Marine Corps, I applied for two jobs, Denver Police Department, Denver Fire Department. And uh, fortunately, I was hired by the Denver Police Department. Uh, too, too bad. You ended up with a job. <laughs> All right. Oh, I want to just jump right into this. And, and pardon me, this is this is me whining and bitching. So we're here in the middle of Denver. The Independence Institute is where we film this. And and this is a beautiful place, all right? This is a beautiful city. Uh, our building is gorgeous. And in the last uh, three years, the place has turned into, into I don't want to say a hellscape, but it has turned to crap, all right? So in this building, we have been broken into. In around this building, we have had uh, homeless encampments we've had to chase away. We've had vagabonds and transients and bums, and we've had to clean up needles. We've had to clean up bottles. We've had to clean up condoms. My, it's mostly just from the employees, but also from everybody else. And we've had to clean up vomit and human feces. My staff has just told me that we have to now get a larger trash service because we're throwing away so much stuff from the homeless that are encamping around here. We've now have to put up more security systems. We've had mice infestations around the building because they leave their food around. We've called the cops over and over, and this, this scares me. In order to get the cops here, I called 911 because I got tired of the other line. And after two and a half minutes on hold, it got cut off. Called again, after three minutes, it got through. They said, well, we'll, we'll send somebody over. And sure enough, somebody got sent over uh, a little while later. And then a few hours later, another guy came because two people called. It was like four hours, five hours later. And these two guys looked so beat, so haggard. And they're like, I'm so sorry. We finally could get here. but. Um, there was only a handful of cops in all of District 6, and these guys look beat. And I asked him, so what's, what's going on? And he said, oh, we got called to this, and we got called to that. And, Sorry, I know this is a big problem for you, but it's, it's, you know, we just can't go anywhere. And if anything really happens, we've got to go to the bank robbery or this. And I asked him more, and he said, it's really tough. The cop told me he arrested a guy the other day for stealing five cars. And then he arrested him later that afternoon for stealing another car. How is that possible 
that you are arrested and within two hours you're out on the streets getting arrested again. Explain that to me. Well, first, uh, what you're experiencing is real. Uh, what you're experiencing is not unlike what many of the residents and business owners across all of Denver's 78 neighborhoods are seeing on a regular basis. This is unacceptable. It's uh, frustrating. It's not only frustrating for you, uh, it's frustrating for homeowners that have to deal with this in their neighborhoods. It's also frustrating for the officers because uh, auto theft, we should not be arresting the same individual for felony level crimes over and over and over again, only to see them released immediately to go on to commit more crimes. And the frustration is real easy to say, hey, I called 911, it took this long. It, uh, I, I talked to the officers, here's what uh, they're telling me. And, and oftentimes we're directing this anger and frustration at the women and men that have dedicated their lives to keeping us safe, when in many ways they uh, have limited options to address these issues. For example, last year, the Denver Police Department arrested more people for auto theft than any year in our history, yet the problem persists. So at some point, we have to hold the individuals who are actually committing the crimes accountable for their actions, and when that happens, crime will go down. Right, so so uh, just help me understand this. Let's, let's say one, one at a time. It's a good thing I wasn't bleeding out when some, of some injury, because somebody's gonna be calling 911 and being put on hold and die because there's not a human being to answer. Um, why is it that there's not a person there? How overcrowded, what's the problem at 911 dispatch that you can't get a human being? Well, uh, 911 dispatch is maintained by the safety department. Let me just make sure that we have that distinction. And that's clear. not the police and department. it's not the police department. As the former police chief, I did not have agency over Denver 911 system. Uh, they are dealing with staffing challenges, not unlike many other aspects of uh, public safety. And part of it is when the demand is too high and the supply is, is low, the supply of call takers and dispatchers and, and the 911 calls have increased, then it uh, creates longer hold times for 911 calls and something that's completely unacceptable, and that is the longer wait times for a police officer to respond, particularly the high priority calls for service. We were on pace to get under 10 minutes uh, prior to many of the challenges uh, that we saw uh, three years ago. I'd love to point out the, the successes that we saw in 2019, and then the world turned upside down uh, in 2020, and uh, that really changed the entire dynamic. But uh, response times were at, at record lows. Uh, the, a lot was made about this 12-minute response time prior to. We were uh, pushing the, the under 10-minute uh, response time, and now that is uh, ballooned to over 15-minute response times, which is completely unacceptable for, for high-level, uh, high-priority calls where somebody is uh, facing life-threatening emergencies. And talk to me about even the story. I, everyone knows somebody, if not themselves, that have had their car stolen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, 
Colorado's number one in the country right. for car theft. Denver Aurora is, is right up the top. Why? And how is it? I'm looking at these guys, and these are a couple older cops, and you could just tell, you know, they're counting their they're counting their days. I mean, they are counting their days until they can be out of here, and you could see it in their eyes of why am I arresting this guy, so I can see him two hours later and arrest him again for the same crime. So why is it that same guy is out again? Is it? A change in law? Is it the DA's office? Is it the cops are messing up on the arrests and therefore he's being tossed out? Is it that the, the jail is full and therefore they can't hold him? What, what is the reason that if, if, the guy, if the guy stealing the car is in a jail cell, that helps the car theft go down? 100%. So uh, prior to my retirement, I would attend community meetings uh, on a regular basis. And I would ask that question, who in this room has had their car stolen? And you would see arms going up and down throughout the entire room. Most of the meetings, I would see this, where an individual would say, I've had my car stolen twice. And again, uh, when we talk about this issue, uh, a vehicle is more than just a piece of property that's taken from somebody's yard. This is uh, a single mom's way to get the kids to school. This is uh, your livelihood. A, 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 the breadwinner being able to get to work. It is your livelihood. It is an extension of who we are and how we're able to feed our families. So car theft is a big deal. Now, uh, it's also something that contributes to additional crimes. People will often use stolen cars in the conveyance of burglaries, robberies, shootings and additional crimes that have uh, really plagued the entire state of Colorado. So when you say uh, what's driving this, there are some changes to state law that have significantly contributed to the increase in auto theft. There are uh, some prosecutors that take this crime seriously and others that don't take this seriously. There are judges that uh, don't think this is uh, that big of a deal because it's a property crime. It's, it's just, not a violent crime. It's not a violent crime. It's just a property crime. Uh, as far as uh, cases being dismissed because of officers not doing the paperwork, this is pretty streamlined. Uh, these are uh, computer reports, drop-down boxes. Uh, the PC probable cause statement on an auto theft is pretty simple. It's not being uh, thrown out as a result Has of officers. Has there been officers. a change in law? There has been a change in what law. What is that? Well, uh, the first uh, dates back to 2014, 141263 uh, was uh, a law where auto theft used to be a class four felony. Now this is important uh, because our criminal justice system typically is based on plea. We're a plea-based system. 97% of all cases that are filed typically get pled down. So. If Paul walks in the door, walks into court facing a class four felony, I'm likely to plead that down to a class six felony. Still a penalty, and there'll be some level of accountability. 2014, we uh, changed this, and no longer the fours, it's based on value. So if somebody has an expensive car, that car would be 
and, and, that, and that car is stolen, that person would be charged with a class five felony. And if somebody steals an inexpensive car, the type of car a single mom, right. uh, a struggling family drives, that person's charged with a class six felony. Now, just, we're just, a just, based to make sure system. just to make sure I'm following you, I'm assuming a class four felony is a bigger deal. You don't want that. You Correct. want a class five if you're the bad guy, and you want a class six instead of a class five if you're the bad guy. So in this whole world of um, systematic racism and all the other stuff we're hearing about, really what we're doing is making it a lesser crime to, to victimize poor people. Is that what I'm understanding? That a poor person's mode of transportation, if I steal your car because you're poor, I'm at less risk? That is sick. That's exactly what we have done in the state of Colorado. And, and this is uh, when, when we talk about these uh, changes that have, that have happened recently that we're trying to focus uh, on individuals in marginalized community, we're actually making it worse. And that is in higher level crimes as well. If you look at the murders that have taken place in our city, 85% of those murders are persons of color, the murder victims, persons of color. So uh, this is uh, an issue that absolutely has to get fixed and um, instead of fixing it, we've compounded the issue. Because I've heard, you know, one of the laws that shows systematic racism is that cocaine is penalized at a much high, uh, much lower level than crack cocaine. It was so people of color, marginalized people, are convicted of this crime because it's much cheaper to get crack than cocaine. So your Aspenite who's snorting cocaine gets a lesser sentence and this person gets a, a, a worse sentence. But here, here we've got something where, where it's the same sort of thing where this guy, the incentive is to victimize poor people and not victimize rich people. You're exactly right. That's All right. Uh, what has occurred, and we have exacerbated that situation. Yes. All right. uh, so following up, there's uh, legislation in 2019, 19-143, uh, followed by legislation in 2020, uh, 2143, that uh, pushed a lot of low-level uh, property crime offenders out of uh, jail. Uh, and Colorado has one of the worst recidivism rates anywhere in the country, fourth worst recidivism rate. Uh, now these, these were passed in 1919. 2019. 2019. It's what happens when you get older, you get your centuries mixed up. Uh, so 2019, 2020. And so then, pretty recent. Then, then we did it again in 2021. So in right. 2021, we passed 271, misdemeanor reform. And uh, in misdemeanor reform, that same uh, class six felony has now been pushed down to a misdemeanor one, uh, which a poor person's car doesn't even count as a felony arrest uh, anymore or a felony uh, charge. We have pushed that to the misdemeanor category. And again, uh, we are a plea-based system. 97% of all cases Wasn't are pled. Wasn't a lot of this done under the guise of saying that our jails were, um, were racist, that we had too many people of color in our jails, in our prisons, and so what we're gonna do is sentencing reform, and the sentencing reform was going to say, hey, these nonviolent uh, crimes, we're, we're gonna 
punished differently. We're not, we're going to keep them out of jails. And now we're living with the consequences. You're exactly right. Uh, we have to address the criminal behavior. If we want crime to go down, we have to address the criminal behavior. And we have overcorrected. Uh, the United States uh, represents four or five percent of the world's population, yet 25 percent of the incarceration rate. And many of these laws only focused on the 25%. Let's push folks uh, out of jail. Let's make it so that they don't go to prison in the first place. Yet, we did nothing to address the criminal behavior. And now, we are seeing the results of this. So, in Colorado in particular, right, we're, what, what is washing out this story, what is uh, making this very difficult to address at the state level is we hear crime is up across the country. And certainly, Philadelphia, Chicago, LA, New York, you see uh, some, some very horrific crime incidences that take place in uh, these particular cities. <clears throat> but what everybody in the state of Colorado should know is Colorado used to be a relatively safe state. It used to be a remarkably Remarkable, safe yeah. state. We were well below the national averages in Denver violent crime. was a safe city. It's right, number seven in the country. We were a remarkably safe city just a couple of years ago. Let me put you on this one. The homeless issue uh, is, it's ridiculous here. And it's not like it's, it's awful everywhere. Just down the road in Colorado Springs, while they also have homeless, it is not this epidemic as we have here. They have beds and they have a camping ban and they can take people and bring them to the homeless shelter and say either you stay here or we will put you in jail. And so they get help and the streets are relatively clean, a million times cleaner and safer than here. So as police chief, you know, these people, I can't walk to a restaurant. I've got women on my staff who don't want to come to work because it is dangerous here. Uh, there are people who are mentally insane and dangerous running around screaming at themselves, um, uh, walking by our offices. You have to literally step over unconscious people on the sidewalk. Why doesn't why don't your cops pick them up and arrest them and get them off the streets? So, uh, very valid point. And as I drove here today, as I traveled along Lincoln, as I turned on 16th, as I was on Santa Fe, I saw the exact same thing that you saw. And uh, yet again, as somebody born and raised in this city, as somebody who sees Denver as just this beautiful town that is missing out on what we uh, could be, what we should be, where we were just a couple of years ago. I'm heartbroken of what I see. I'm frustrated with what I see. And instead of looking for real solutions, the tough solutions, we are busy trying to emulate what we see in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, instead of Miami, Tampa, Fresno, Dallas. 
there are cities that are doing well in this space. There are cities that are addressing these issues, looking for the betterment of all of their residents, not just a handful here or there, not uh, being selective of, well, we're going to help this population and exclude these other populations. Really, we as a city, it's the common good. We have to look out for everybody, those opportunities, those job opportunities that uh, drive our uh, businesses, the lifeblood of what a city is all the about in the first place. rate here is, what, three and a half percent. You know, there are jobs galore. Yes. Two jobs for every person that's looking. And, and three and a half percent is good. Do you know what Miami's job uh, uh, unemployment rate is? What? 1.4 percent. Why are we not trying to emulate very successful approaches that are uh, addressing these issues? And, and the same thing. The first argument is going to be, well, we have a homeless problem because housing costs have skyrocketed. Are you going to tell me that the cost of, a, of an apartment in Denver is more, more than, than a cost Miami. of an apartment in Miami? Yeah. I mean, let's be real yeah. uh, on these uh, issues. And uh, the reality is you get what you tolerate. And uh, we have tolerated quite a bit. I don't believe what's, that we've figured out. What's frustrating, and I'm, you've heard these complaints uh, so many times, but why is it that as you know, business owner, or we run our organization in Denver. Now, we're the ones that have to pay to clean it up. Yes. We're the ones that have to pay for uh, the landscaping to try to make it less hospitable. We have to pay for the new trash service. We have to pay for the new security services. We have to pay for all this stuff while we're also paying for the taxes that are going for all these services that make it more tempting to stay outside and, and camp outside. You know, it's, it is so maddening and it's only going to end poorly yep. you know we've those of us old enough remember new york before it got cleaned up mm -hmm. and it was ugly and i wonder let me ask you can denver be saved and when i say that there are a lot of people who look at denver and go uh, -uh this is going in a bad direction and it's going to have to hit bottom before it pulls itself out um, when people start going i don't want to go downtown tonight uh, no, we'll just stay, we'll stay in Lakewood. I don't want to go to the show down there. We'll just stay out here. I don't want to, and now with telecommuting, I don't have to. Right. Very concerning. And uh, this is, uh, I, I believe, many of these same sentiments. I do not believe that uh, we have the political will to make the tough decisions to do what's necessary for the common good for the people of Denver and for the people of the state of Colorado because we are trending in the wrong direction in many of these issues and once you do fall off that cliff or, or get on that slippery slope, you have to uh, pay twice as much, three times as much to rebound. Think of New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Detroit, cities that have had some significant challenges with regards to crime that then impacted their economy. They have to dig out uh, and put forth monumental efforts to get to where we are now that if we realize that, uh, that, that at some point we are going to kill the goose that lays the golden eggs. All right, let's talk about political will. Why did you retire? You're saying we, we didn't get these things done. People will point the finger at, at Paul Pazin. Well, obviously, well, it's your fault. Did you retire because you weren't up for the task? Did you not get the support you needed from the city? What, what happened there? I get a sense talking to you uh, that you felt like 
they didn't have your back. So give me the real story. Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, October 15th is a date that my family and I had circled for a long time. Uh, this job is very taxing, 28 years in law enforcement, all in the Denver Police Department is uh, a lot. It's a lot of sacrifice that I gave uh, to this city uh, that, that my family suffered as a result. And then you add the five years in the Marine Corps, 33 years of, of sacrifice for others uh, while I'm you know, not you spending. You get a pension, you get a nice job. I, I do, yeah. All right. So. I'm, I'm, I wish I had the pension. Sorry. Anybody with a government pension, I, I'm having a hard time feeling sorry for. Pen the older I get. So. Pen pensions certainly uh, are great. Come on. You, you don't uh, spill the dirt. Um, I believe that uh, I pushed uh, as far as I could push, that I moved the needle as far as I could move the needle. What is it you would want the city to have done? to solve these problems. In other words, now that you're out, you know, what what was the frustration? If you if you could have shaken the the mayor or the council and say or the or the legislature and said, "We needed to do this." What was this that they didn't do? Well, let me uh, be very clear. I uh, I I believe uh, Mayor Hancock is a great person and uh, he was very supportive. There are plenty of mayors in the last couple of years that uh, got on board the defund the police movement. Uh, Los Angeles, 150 million. New York City, 1 billion. Portland, 15 million. Those the Seattle, cuts. those were the cuts right. and, uh, and their mayors didn't stand up. So uh, Mayor Hancock did support the Denver Police Department. Yet and here said, we are. Yet here we are. Okay, so uh, what what I would say is um, we are real good at moving problems around. Uh, when we talk about these challenges that we see on 16th Street uh, or 16th Avenue uh, on Lincoln Street, we see these issues. We uh, address them, and all we do is move the problem around. Uh, Civic Center Park was an issue that gets pushed into Golden Triangle, that gets pushed onto the 16th Street Mall, that gets pushed into Union Station, uh, then uh, back onto to East Colfax. Uh, we need to address these issues holistically. We, what what didn't the city give you that you needed? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't make it a habit to throw folks uh, under the bus, but I do believe we need uh, folks with strong political will that are willing to do what is right and what is necessary, not what is popular. And, and oftentimes, what is right and what is necessary? Uh, it's real easy. We have to hold people accountable for their actions. If we want to reduce crime, then you hold an individual accountable for their criminal behavior. And when you have things like outreach court that just washes away uh, arrests. What is outreach court? So uh, if we talk about many of the efforts, uh, you know, let, let's talk about Denver's Union Station, for example. Right? Uh, it was a little less than a year ago where uh, people were uh, outraged. They were upset with what this transit hub had become. Uh, RTD has their own police force. They have their own security team. They were supposed to address their own uh, challenges over there. It didn't happen, and uh, they it's asked. Because they're a transit agency. Yep. Their job is to run buses. And, and this is this is what happens when government gets into empire building, and they want to become a a, a city. Mm -hmm. No, run buses. Don't arrest people. So uh, it's well documented. 
Denver Union Station, uh, open drug use. It became uh, a day shelter, for lack of a, of a better uh, term. And uh, the folks that wanted to use buses and light rail and transit out to DIA were uh, forced to deal with issues you should never have to, to see. And uh, they asked the Denver Police Department to come in and, and get this cleaned up. We did. 1,200 citations and arrests uh, in that uh, location to uh, help eradicate the open use of fentanyl and other drugs. Very proud of the women and men for stepping up and taking care of this issue. Unfortunately, we then uh, don't hold people accountable for those offenses. There is something that's called outreach court that actually goes to the same location where uh, these offenses take place, and uh, accountability is not part of or the when conversation. When you say outreach court, did you mean like this is actually a magistrate? A court? Yes. So instead of sending them to court and sending them to jail, outreach court is like a different court. Correct. A mad it's run by a magistrate. They look for individuals that have pending cases, and uh, accountability is not part of the equation in uh, the adjudication process. Is this one of these things where, let me see if I, let me put it in, in language that I can understand, because you're probably, you're probably in a whole different vernacular. So in other words, a guy's in trouble, and they look at the guy and go, you need help, so we're going to send you to this program. And instead of me going, you're breaking the law, I'm going to send you to jail, so you stop breaking the law. You might still have this problem, but at least you won't be stealing cars. Uh, and uh, um, and stealing other things because you'll be out of society, therefore society will be safer. Is okay. that the basic difference? Oh, I, I, I wish it were. I wish it were uh, we can put you in this program and get you the help because uh, that's something that we used to do in the state of Colorado, particularly around drugs. So it was called the wobbler. You can have this felony charge or you can uh, go to a program. And I'm in full support of that, right? You're getting somebody the yeah. help that they need and getting them off the streets. Carrot in the stick. Carrot in the stick. No, it, it would be nice if go to that jail were the or case. Get clean. Well, that's not what, uh, what's taken place. It's, oh, you had this case. Okay, well, don't do that again. We'll see you later. And that case is, it no longer exists. So there, is isn't the, uh, there isn't the stick, nor is there the carrot. And uh, until uh, that is uh, addressed, we're going to continue to see these types of challenges. So it sounds like we need new legislators. And instead, it sounds like we just signed up to a whole bunch of the same legislators that just passed all this stuff. And we have the same governor who signed all these things in the last four years. We've um, renewed his lease for another four years. So that's tough. It sounds like we need a new set of DAs around here and prosecutors who will do this. And we need a new set of judges who will actually put people behind bars. There's an overcorrection that took place in the criminal justice system, all based on trying to reduce the 25% of the world's population. And it was done in a way that uh, excludes public safety. Uh, it, it's let's get everybody out of prison and not paying attention to 
the drivers of crime, criminal behavior, holding people accountable for their crimes. Uh, the case that you cited, an individual arrested for five auto thefts should not be immediately released from jail on a PR bond, a $1 bond, a $2 bond, and out uh, creating harm in our community. Repeat and violent offenders need to be held accountable for their actions. And if we even think about the, the, the time that we're in, crime should be at record lows. If you think about the technology that exists in order to uh, hold somebody responsible for their crimes, the uh, proliferation of traffic cams, of halo cams, of ring cameras, of Arlo cameras, of uh, license plate readers, we should be enjoying historic low crime rates, uh, not only in our city, not only in our state, but across the entire country. But unfortunately, we're allowing emotional decisions to drive our actions. And it's how do we re reduce the, the prison population, not how do we keep our community safe? Can we do both? 100%, but you have to have that courage to say, wait a minute. How do you do both? Well, uh, we can point to places that have uh, done this and- uh, Chop off people's hands. Well, <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm not ready to chop people's- I am ready to uh, chop off hands. I'm pretty uh, angry about there, this. There's stuff. a lot of people that are very angry and that are uh, ready to chop, chop off people's hands. We don't need uh, to do that. One uh, hand? Hand Not foot? even a finger. No, right. let's 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 uh, let's hold right, people Mr. accountable. All right, Mr. Soft on crime. Then Ooh. what are you gonna do? Uh, I, I, I no, I, I know what you're talking about. And, you know, for a lot of time it was like there are other programs. There's home arrest. There's this. There's that. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we're not sending people to jail for to stop crime, and I do believe that that you know what we've been talking about is to stop crime. It's not right. to keep people out of jail. It's to stop crime. And and the number one thing when we arrest someone is to keep them from committing crime, to make our streets safe. Right. Is, give me the quick example. Quick of, example. Uh, Repeat and violent offenders. I think most of us can agree that individuals that are continuing to commit crimes, they need to be incarcerated and rehabilitated. That way they're not harming our greater society. Then. The other dynamic is preventing that crime from occurring in the first place. And we did it here in Denver. When I said that Denver used to be a remarkably safe city, in uh, 2019 we had 1,620 officers. We deployed those officers into uh, the areas that uh, was creating the most crime. We actually were able to uh, keep crime low and we focused on the right individuals. So Denver historically, prior to that timeline, had arrested 50,000 people per year. It was like clock, clockwork. In 2019, 6,000 fewer, but it was the right people. Um, the felony arrests actually went up, the uh, low-level arrests went down, and crime stayed at low levels. Then, when we talk about the timing of 19-143, the 2010-19, the 21-271, it changed the whole dynamic. There was this push that uh, nobody, even if you do arrest them, they have to be out of, out of uh, jail within four hours. So when the officer tells you uh, that they arrest somebody and that person's back on the street right away, typically they're back on the street before the officer even finishes the paperwork. That is part of the state legislature uh, getting people out of jail in a, in a quick and timely way as well. So there are ways that, that 
it's been done in New York City when they uh, increase their officer uh, presence. You're well, able so to prevent the crime from occurring. Let's talk about increasing officers. So one of the cops we had here to, to get rid of our friends, uh, he was pulling a double. Uh, we called early and he was here at about 11 o'clock uh, in the morning. He was on duty, he was pulling a double. He was here mm -hmm. from, he was on duty from 7 o'clock the night before. So he was already 16 hours into a shift. Right. And he was, he said, yeah, I'm, I think one of only six guys on duty in District 6. Yeah. Uh, you say, wait, 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 you say, yeah, like, like this is not uncommon. District 6 is where the crap goes down. This right. is, this is, you know, District 6 is um, uh, probably the most dangerous area in, in Denver, I'm assuming. District 6 is the busiest of the six districts. And there are six cops on duty? Not acceptable. Not okay. Nowhere close so, to the resource necessary. How many cops down when you left? How many cops positions were open? We were at uh, just under 1,400 effective strength. That is nowhere close to having enough officers to address the work issues. So how many, how many slots open? Really, the number needs to be about 1,700 officers for a so city you were down our size. Like 300 cops. Correct. Wow. And who the hell wants to be a cop today? Exactly. And that's uh, the other part of this issue that needs to get corrected. That's the other part of this issue that's that needs leadership. So let's talk about why somebody would work for a company, why they would choose a profession. When uh, your employees, they want to be valued, they want to be respected, they want to uh, be treated right. Now, you can do that uh, internally, but what if you have uh, external forces that are demonizing uh, individuals, dehumanizing the individuals that, that do this work, that are criticizing them for doing things right. For example, cleaning up Union Station. Clean up Union Station, and then it's uh, get questioned, well, why did you arrest so many people? Why did you cite so many people? Why didn't you take folks uh, over to treatment? There was a problem. You asked for the police to take care of the problem. The problem's fixed, and now you're criticizing us for fixing the problem. Um, at some point, you have to have individuals that are willing to stand up and say, wait a minute, uh, we need the women and men to do this work. We need future officers uh, to do this work. And uh, too many of the admit, elected officials. There have been problems with the police department, big problems. Yes. There's been bad shooting problems. There's been lots of lawsuits where the city has had to pay out millions and millions of dollars. There have been uh, reasons why certain minority groups are feel like they've been singled out by the police. Um, you know, there, there are reasons why groups don't like the police. Right. And, uh, and I get that. And now, now you're in a situation where, you know, you're going to get yelled at by those folks. You're going to get sued by these people. The legislature passed a law taking away some of your uh, liability protections. Qualified so, immunity. So now a cop can get sued personally. Nobody wants to be a cop now. What, what are you, crazy? Um, and now they're uh, more scared about using the strength they need. Uh, uh, and they're going to be scared about uh, being recorded about this. They're going to be scared about um, uh, being sued. They're, 
no, just just go be a waiter. Minimum wage in Denver is going to be seventeen dollars and thirty cents. You're going to do okay, right? All right. Hey, just a couple of last quick questions. Um, one on policy. You're chief uh, of police. I've always thought the way we do uh, choose a chief of police is systematically problematic. You you work for one guy, the mayor. Right. The mayor chooses you, right? Which means you got to please one guy. When I get pulled over by a deputy who works for a sheriff, that sheriff works for the constituents because he's elected. And I've noticed a real difference, I think, and I'm going to use the term customer service, mm -hmm. because that guy is elected. And so all of his employees that work for him, the deputies, uh, understand every time they pull over somebody, they're pulling over a voter who's voting for my boss. I think I better be careful how I do this because these are going to vote for or against my boss. Blah, blah, blah. I've always thought that chiefs of police should be elected, uh, even on a partisan level, uh, the same way we do with sheriffs. I just think that sheriff's offices have a better connection with the people than do police departments. And I was just curious your thought on that. Because there always seems to be in cities this tension between the cops and the police and, and the chief of police is there and the mayor's there. But really, you work for one guy. It would be different if you worked for every voter. Right. What do you think? Pros and cons to, to both. And uh, we are in a unique situation in Denver. Uh, we're one of only two counties in the entire state where even the Denver sheriff uh, is appointed, is appointed yeah. by uh, the And he mayor. just takes care of the jail, And basically. he takes care of uh, the, the jail and the courts. So uh, pros and cons to both. I have uh, good friends that are uh, the sheriff, the highest elected law enforcement official in their own uh, counties right. uh, across the, the country, and uh, police chiefs across the country. And uh, what, I, what I'll briefly say is uh, there was a selection process that included uh, community members, multiple boards, when I was uh, ultimately appointed. You're right, I, I do work for, or I worked for uh, one individual and not, uh, you know, elected by the people. Uh, customer service is a word that, uh, or two words that you used here. And I think that uh, what we have learned, particularly uh, after uh, 2020 and the last couple of years, is uh, folks don't want less police, they want better police. And we do need uh, better customer service. We do need better uh, training in order to help folks. And uh, one of the things that I'm proud that we implemented is uh, the national average for continuing education for a police officer across the country is 21 hours per year. Uh, the state of Colorado requires 24. We were at 80 hours uh, to include uh, customer service uh, types of, of training as well. Uh, there, are, there is the opportunity to, to get better, particularly in that realm. There's a, a leadership uh, academy, a, le a leadership institute that's being stood up uh, with support of, of community members and- but Would you like uh, to see them elected? Um, I, I see value in both, uh, to be honest with you. I see value in both uh, approaches. Since that was a wonderfully political answer, rolls right into this and final question. So, since that was a deliciously non-answer answer, sounds like a real politician. There are rumors you might want to run for mayor. 
Well, there are already like 300 guys running. Why not make it 301? He, uh, people are hacked off about crime. An anti-crime law and order guy could really do well. Are you thinking about it? I'm very much thinking about it. Uh, first and foremost, I cannot thank uh, the folks that have uh, reached out, uh, the supporters that I have that continue to encourage uh, me to, to take that step. Uh, but I'm also a realist, and I see what's going on uh, with the, the politics in our state, uh, the politics in our city. and. Uh, it's hard to, to say that, that folks are ready to make those tough decisions, the, the tough decisions that are necessary to keep our city safe, and then uh, by proxy, the vibrancy for businesses, uh, the opportunity for kids to go to school. Kids uh, can't learn in an environment that they don't feel safe, safe in. Businesses can't so thrive. So if I'm hearing you right, you're saying Paul Pazin is interested in running for mayor, but the question is, are voters ready for a guy who'd say, we have to get really tough on crime? And is the city ready to get tough on crime? Is that what you are weighing? Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, we make decisions based on our heart, and I love this city. Uh, but we also have to make decisions based on our head, using logic, using evidence, using data, research to figure out what the best approaches are. And uh, I make those decisions with m using uh, evidence and, and data to uh, inform how we're going to, to do things. And uh, considering uh, all of those uh, issues, I think that uh, voters, when they are informed, that they make uh, the right decisions. It's how do we get that message across? And unfortunately, not enough people will watch, uh, you know, th this show uh, the way kidding? that they should. Everyone watches the show. Well, it, there I, are 12 people who watch <laughs> this show. Uh, I mean, 11 if you don't count my mother. But still, those are a dozen important people. Hey, Paul, thank you so much. This has been terrific. John, so thank that wasn't you. a yes or no, or are you running? It's I'm thinking. We're, we're thinking about it. Uh, we'll continue to evaluate uh, the data that, that is available to, to make an informed that was, decision. That's a, that a great cop answer. We are monitoring the situation, <laughs> and we will keep you informed as... As, situa as, as, the, as it develops. Well, I don't want to extend this uh, and, and put you through more pain uh, as, as well on this. Uh, the reality is we should be able to, to talk frank. We should be able yeah. to have those hard conversations. And unfortunately, uh, speaking truth to power uh, just means power whacks you over the head <laughs> with the hammer. And, uh, and then you're yeah. never seen from yeah, but, uh, but, again. And so I, do the homeless hit you, too. You see it on the 16th Street Mall all the time. There's, there's better ways. There are solutions that are out there. There are cities that are doing this uh, the right way where people are thriving. A 1.4% unemployment rate. Their citizen satisfaction is, is through the roof. You drive that town you will not see the same issues that we see here, unfortunately. A city cannot thrive if people are scared to go out. Could not agree more So with either you. become mayor or Batman. Just something to think about. <laughs> Thanks. John, thank you. This is John Caldera, and if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services, with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV 
for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations. Mm -hmm.